God keeps them. They're like keepsakes for the Lord. They're a sweet fragrance to Him. Man, if you're not a person of prayer, you need to be. Not only personally, but something happens when you get in a room with people and you start praying. That time that we spend saying, Lord, this is your church. This is your building. We need you to we work this all out, God. Man, that was the sweetest moment. And you know what's funny? Not only was it sweet for us, it was sweet for the Lord. When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Today's teaching from Revelation reveals the Father's heart for his children. He treasures your prayers and he keeps them as incense, as a part of heavenly worship. Offer up the sweet incense of your prayers to the Lord today. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Revelation chapter 4 as he continues his message, Heavenly Songs. So he's saying, look, we are casting our cries. We are putting ourselves before you and we're saying, look, you're worthy of all the glory, all the honor, all the power. Why? For you created everything and by your will they exist and were created. So now we see God being praised for creation. That he is the creator of all things and by his will, they exist and they were created. So not only did God create it, it's by his will that there, everything is even there. Now, you guys realize, I got to quote a Genesis 1-1, right? Very first verse. In the beginning, what? God created the heavens and the earth. Now, you realize that in one verse, the intro of the Bible makes the Bible the most controversial book in the world. Right there. That in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, it goes on to explain to us some of the ways that God did that. But you realize that right there, that makes the Bible a battleground. Right there. That it's not some impersonal force. As I always say, people are like, well, I believe in the Big Bang. I'm like, yeah, in order to have a Big Bang, you need a Big Banger. The Big Bang happened because God's the Big Banger. If someone knocks on your door, you go answer the door because the knock doesn't happen without somebody there. Why does the knock happen? Because somebody's there. In order to have a Big Bang, you need a banger to get the banging done. Make sense? And Christianity, you like that. You guys could tweet that. Go ahead, have fun. So the Bible says, look, God created everything. Now, whether it's the Big Bang, you say it's the Big Bang, or God spoke, and, you know, it's like, listen, I believe when God speaks, that would be a pretty Big Bang, you know? However discussion, but I think the battleground for us needs not to be on some of these other details, but it needs to be, look, we believe that God, not only did he create everything, but God sustains everything. And God deserves praise for not only being creator, but being sustainer of creation. You know, there... 
I w- it was on TV yesterday, and we were flipping through it. There was a movie on called The Sum of All Fears. It was on TNT with Ben Affleck. It's a whole thing about a nuclear bomb going off in America. It's a whole movie about it, right? But what's interesting is if you look at it from a, a purely scientific perspective, when a, when a scientist can figure out how to split an atom, what happens? There's so much force that has this enormous catastrophic explosion. And what's amazing is, is there are billions, innumerable atoms in the world, and what? They all stay together. What keeps them together? Nobody really knows. Why? I know. You know why? Because God sustains everything. Could you imagine if God let go of every atom that ever existed? (laughs) I can't fathom that, can you? No. See, God not only created everything, but everything is sustained. You think of the seasons and all the stuff that goes on. The fact that the earth is just perfectly close enough to the sun to sustain life. If it's one degree farther away, it is going to be too cold to inhabit human life. If it's one degree closer, it's going to be too hot to inhabit human life. How is it possible that it's exactly in the right place and it stays on this perfect little orbit around the sun? How is that possible? I'm here to tell you because God put it there. I don't have enough faith to believe that that happened at random. That'd be like throwing a 2,000-piece puzzle up in the air and it landing in perfect, the perfect puzzle. I'm too rational to believe that that's possible. But if you, if you see a 2,000-piece puzzle and you put it all together and it's sitting there on a the table, you're like, yes, somebody did that. So God is the creator and the sustainer. So the first two songs are about the father. Now you get into chapter five. The focus now moves to the son. Look at what it says in verse eight of Revelation chapter five now. It says, now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and a golden bowl of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll. And to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. Now you notice this is a song both of the four living creatures and the 24 elders. So each one had a solo in chapter 4. Now they're doing a duet. They're both singing together here. And notice when... The lamb had taken this scroll, right? The four living creatures and the 24 elders all fell down before the lamb, each having a harp. It's kind of cool. Everyone's got a guitar because a harp is old school guitar. When David, you know, David was like the Jimmy Page of Israel, but they didn't have like a Fender, you know. (laughs) Sorry. You're like, well, I think Eric Clapton is. He's really Eric Clapton. He's really Slash or whoever. You never mind. Whoever your favorite guitar player is, that's who King David was. Okay? Put it that way. We'll, we'll, we'll let bygones be bygones on who's the best. Anyway, they have the harp. And not only that, they have golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Now, I need, you know I need to make a comment on that. We want Crossroads to be a house of prayer. We want, man, we have prayer meetings here on Wednesdays. We have prayer, people are praying right now. See, when you think of golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints, it means that before God's throne, all the prayers that you shoot up, all of them, God keeps them. They're like keepsakes for the Lord. They're a sweet fragrance to him. Man, if you're not a person of prayer, you need to be. 
Not only personally, but something happens when you get in a room with people and you start praying. That time that we spent saying, Lord, this is your church. This is your building. We need you to, will you work this all out, God? Man, that was the sweetest moment. And you know what's funny? Not only was it sweet for us, it was sweet for the Lord. He loves it when we say, Lord, all of our planning is done. We're just talking to you now, Lord. So be a person of prayer. Join our prayer team. Join our prayer ministry. I mean, we have like a half dozen super faithful prayers in this. I mean, imagine a church this side, about a half dozen. They're, always, they're, they're praying and praying and praying some more. This whole church should be our prayer ministry. All of us together. God loves it. But notice, what's the song? You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests of our God, and we shall reign on the earth. God is, Jesus is being praised because he is the redeemer of the nations. He is the redeemer of the nations. You notice what it says here. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. Now you realize that that verse, that actually gives rise to everything that's going to happen from chapter 6 to the end of the book. Because the lamb takes, he starts opening, you have seven seal judgment, which gives way to seven trumpet judgment, which gives way to seven uh, bowl or vile judgments, and you can read it. But really, the fact that the lamb is worthy to take the scroll and open the seal, that kind of gives line to everything else that's going to go on in the book. But why is he worthy to take the scroll and open the seal? For you were slain, we'll talk about that in a second, and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. He's the redeemer of the nations. Now notice, the price of this redemption is that Jesus was slain. The person who receives the work of redemption are you and I. What's the destination of redemption? We have redeemed, you have redeemed us to who? To God. What was the payment of redemption? By his blood. What was the scope of redemption? Every tribe, nation, and tongue. Know what I love? Know what I love about Jesus? Is Jesus is not racist in any way. Now look, we're here in America. We're happy to be here. Most of us, if we trace our ethnicity, most of us, our ethnicity in its root, is not from here. It's from other places. And the church of Jesus Christ is the one religion that is not ethnically specific. It crosses every ethnic line, every gender line, every economic line, every educational line. See, the gospel is global and universal. It's funny, I was talking with Pastor Jack, and we were talking about something called the hundredth monkey effect. It's a sociological principle about how truths move. And there was a study that was done. People have been interpreting the study forever. And the beauty is, is that when you look at this idea of how critical mass happens so things shift, what you realize is that maybe the ultimate example is the church of Jesus Christ, because it started in Israel with a few Jewish guys, and it reaches the end of the earth. You can go anywhere in the world, and you can meet people who love Jesus, who've been redeemed by his blood, who is part of a kingdom and priesthood of Jesus, and all because of the same guy. I think that's powerful. Do you think that's powerful? Do you realize that it's not, people say, oh, Christianity is a Western religion. It's not. Israel's never been Western. It's never been West. When was the last time? Oh, yeah, in the Middle East, that's in the West. It's called the Middle East. 
Christianity is everywhere. And you realize, I hope you realize, that Christianity in the West now, in the Western Hemisphere, is there's actually less Christians in the Western Hemisphere than there are in the Eastern Hemisphere because of the rise of Christianity in places like China and India. The epicenter of Christianity is not America anymore. It's in the East, which is where it began. But that is why, as a church, we are committed to the global thrust of the gospel. We want to reach every tribe, nation, and tongue. Now, what that means is, as a church, we're not going to, nobody can reach everybody. You have to decide, God, this is where you called us, and we're going to do that with all of our might. And that's something that Pastor Jack and I, we dream a lot about right now. As we're seeing what we're doing locally really have a strong impact, now we're like, okay, where are we going globally? What are, what's going to be like crosses? We did Mexico for years, and what God has done through our ministry in Mexico. We're going to still support that, but we need the pioneer again. We need our, in 30 years, we want to look back and say, that, what we did in Mexico, now we're going to do that here, here, and here. We're going to pioneer again. Why? Because until Jesus comes back, we realize the gospel's got a global thrust. And Jesus is the redeemer of the nations. Now listen, because he's the redeemer of the nations, he came to redeem you. And some of you, you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, and that means that Jesus came and he bought you back. He took you back. But there's some in here, Jesus is saying, come on back. Come on back. And not only is Jesus not racist? Jesus doesn't keep a hierarchy of who did things so wrong that they can't be forgiven and who hasn't. I believe there's some of you here, you lived a nice, good, moral life. You've never gotten in trouble, but yet you know that you need to be redeemed by Jesus. And he says simply what? Come. And there might be some of you in here, you're just straight out nasty. Everything you've done is just the worst it could be. Right? It's like when, when, when push comes to shove of bad people, you find yourself on that list. You're like, yeah, well, I can't be a Christian because I'm just, man, these are all nice little churchy people and me. Listen, I'm in that category. I was not a good person. And when the beauty is, is I'm still not a good person. God is changing me. That's the gospel. The gospel is that you have it all together and you come to God and he's like, yeah, you got it all together. Here's a gold star of salvation. See, you come to the Lord, you say, Lord, I need help. And he says, yes, you do. And I am an ever-present help in time of need. So at the end of this service, listen, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come. And no matter if it's, I got a million things that I need forgiveness for, or I've been a pretty good person, but stuff isn't, I know I'm, I need help. No matter where you find yourself on those spectrum, you just come. And when you come, Jesus redeems every tribe and tongue even here. And don't notice, not only does he redeem, he makes you a king and a priest of our God. And that, of course, reminds me of 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Peter says, look, you've made us a king and priests, living stones in your temple. I love that. He doesn't just say, here, come back. He said, look, not only come back, I'm going to make you a king and a priest in my, in my kingdom. So he doesn't say, like, I'll buy you back and then I'll just stick you in the corner on a mantelpiece, nice little porcelain Christian. He says, I want you to be a mediator. I want you to rule and reign with me. Now, as we move to verse 11, look at what happens. We have another song. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and living creatures and the elders. And the number of them were 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches 
and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Now, this is a song of a heavenly multitude. Not only is the living creatures there and the 24 elders there, but now you have an innumerable number of angels. 10,000 times 10,000s and thousands of thousands. Now, I do not believe that that's meant to be a specific number. There's not one more than that number. The idea is that this is an innumerable heavenly multitude. And notice what they say. Worthy is the lamb who was slain, verse 12, to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Now, this teaches us that the cross is worthy. The cross is worthy. In the last song, I talked about how he was the lamb who was slain, and now you get worthy is the lamb who was slain, and then to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. The cross is worthy. That's where Jesus died. That's where God's love and justice meets. That is where our forgiveness and our relationship with God was bought. Now, why do I feel I need to emphasize this? Because just the way it was 2,000 years ago when Jesus died and rose again, people struggle with the cross. People don't want to value the place where God's son died to forgive the sins of many. Not only is it a battleground in our culture, it's a battleground in the church. There are all sorts of churches who don't want to talk about the cross of Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you, the cross is worthy because Jesus, the lamb, was slain. Notice what it says. He's worthy to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Those are a lot of things, right? I don't believe that's exhaustive either. Anything that you can think of that is praiseworthy and honorable, Jesus is worthy of. All because he was on mission with God to redeem you and I and all who would believe. That is so unbelievable. And my friends, brothers and sisters, listen, you need to dwell at the foot of the cross. You need to dwell there. The key to every relationship is the cross. The key to every relationship with God, with yourself, with your spouse and your kids and the people around you on your job and your neighbors. All of it is at the cross. If you want to read a little bit more in your own time about the struggle with the cross, read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 to 25 in your own time. To sum it up, it says that the Jewish people, the monotheistic people, and the Greeks who were the polytheistic people, the Jews believed in one God, the Greeks and everyone else believed in multiple gods, they all struggle with the cross for different reasons. And you have to ask yourself, if you're here and you're struggling with the fact that God would love you so much to give up his own life for you, you need to say, God, why do I struggle so much with the cross? Because it's worthy of glory and blessing and honor and power and praise and all these things. It's, see, God shows his love to you whether you feel it or not at that cross. That is where God said, I'm going to show you how valuable you are to me. How often is it you're like, I love you, and then someone needs you, like, well, I got to go do something else. See, love is really shown in what? In action, right? Actions speak louder than words. And there's some of us who you don't believe that God would really love you so much that he would give up his own son's life for you, but that's exactly what he did. Some would say, that's too good to be true, and I'm like, it is too good to be true, but it's true. 
It's true. That finished work of God and that applied to your life by faith sealed with the Holy Spirit, that is not the ABCs. It's not the beginning of Christianity. That's the whole of Christianity. If you give your life to Jesus here in this place today, and I pray that you do, and if you gave your life to Jesus 80 years ago, it's still all about the cross of Jesus Christ. We never leave it. It's the A to Z of Christianity. It's the whole, as I like to say, enchilada. It's all about the cross, and the cross is worthy. The last song we have in verses 13 and 14. Look at what it says. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. Now you notice this. The first two songs were about God the Father. The second two songs are about God the Son, the Lamb of God. And now you get both of them being praised. Be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And notice who sings it. Every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, as such as are in the sea, and all that are in them. This is the song of every living creature. Everything. And what is the song Blessing and honor and glory and power be to God. What does this teach us? This teaches us about eternal praise. Eternal praise. Notice what it says. Forever and ever. Now, forever and ever is ages upon ages without end. And what that means from the heavenly perspective is that there is going to come a day when every single living creature, no matter where they are, are praising God and God's Son, Jesus Christ. Eternal praise. And notice what happens in verse 14. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever. When that praise of all creation says, The angels just say what? Amen. And amen means so be it. Or if you like slang, it means true that. It's like that is the truth. I agree with that. Now here, this is what I want to tell you. If one day everybody is going to praise God the Father and God the Son, if that is everyone's ultimate destiny because that is the truest thing you'll ever hear in your life, then what is keeping us from doing it when? Right now. If all of eternity says, amen, blessing and honor and glory and power, it's all yours forever and ever, then we would be wise to do it right now. Jesus is Today, Pastor Daniel drew us into the worship of heaven, where we see thousands of angels proclaiming that Jesus is worthy. And while they're proclaiming this, they hold bowls of incense that contain the prayers of the saints. God keeps your prayers, and they're a beautiful fragrance to him. Jesus is being praised because he is the redeemer of all the nations. He is the only one who is worthy to take the scroll. Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? 
Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page, JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the Stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel takes on the Song of Solomon. Our culture has such a broken view of sexuality, and the church's response has often been to back down in silence. But the Bible has a lot to say and a whole different view of what it means to be in the image of God and to be a sexual being. God's Word brings a challenge to us because He is both passionate and perfect. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series, Songs for Summer. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.